Hey Jeff, uh, real quick question. Have you seen that, uh, fans online like to troll me on social media about our Geico sponsorship? Of course I see it online. They troll you about everything. They troll me about everything, but that's all fun and dandy. At least it's not fiction. It's nonfiction. That's exactly right. It's nonfiction. We're saving people money over at Geico.com. Quick question. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy trolling Conrad on social media. No bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or your renters insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing because you already have so much to do around your house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Jeff, uh, Geico saving people money. Why are they trolling me, Jeff? They're being mean to me. I'm getting that Jeff Jarrett treatment. Oh, lighten up, Conrad. It's all in good fun. Just like we have a lot of fun on my world. Go to Geico.com right now. Save some money, bundle it together. You'll be glad you did. Can you believe August is already here? It feels like 2021 is just slipping through our fingers. Don't let a bunch of cash slip through your fingers. Keep more of your own money at SaveWithConrad.com. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners just like you all across the nation save tens of thousands of dollars. If you can hear my voice and you're in a 30-year loan or you have credit card debt or a second mortgage, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It really is a matter of how much. Just ask Tyrus in Wyoming, Michigan. He left us a 4.67 review and he had this to say, Jimmy made things easy. Being able to text was a lifesaver. Such an easy experience. How about this five-star review from Smyrna, Delaware, David and Diane from Conrad's team were outstanding. I found out in January that my landlord wanted out of the rental business, but I love my house as a fan of Conrad's podcast. I decided to give first family a call. I never wanted to be a homeowner before and didn't even know it was a possibility. David dealt with all the details and despite a number of complications, he and Diane kept going through the options until we made it work. We closed this month and I couldn't be happier with first family. Here's another five-star review. This one comes to us from Daniel Frank. You, he says, Conrad and his team always answered my questions and made me buying my first home. Truly an unforgettable experience. How about Jared over in East Canton, Ohio? He left us a five-star review at SaveWithConrad.com, And he had this to say, I contacted Derek last year. And after looking at my information, we decided to work on my credit a bit and try again in a few months. Derek gave me a few tips that increased my score to give me the best rate possible. We were able to knock nearly $200 off of my monthly payment and two months without a payment definitely made for a better summer vacation for both me and my family. I'd recommend first family mortgage to anyone looking to refinance. Listen, no matter what your situation is, first family mortgage can help. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some money, we won't waste your time, but we also won't say no. We'll say not yet, but here's how. Go check out our reviews. See for yourself what people are saying about SaveWithConrad.com at ConradReviews.com. And then find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And hey, if you'd like to give us a call, we'll even pay for the call. It's toll free at 888-425-0105. Or shoot me an email at Conrad at SaveWithConrad.com. And now let's get to the show. August is here, and there's no better time to be a part of adfreeshows.com than right now. 
It's all the content at your fingertips early and ad-free. And it's not just the incredible podcast you already subscribe to. No, that's just the beginning. We have hours of weekly bonus content, live interactive events, happy hours, and even now, for the first time ever, we are in the thick of planning our very first in-person Top Guy experience for our premier members. Labor Day weekend in Chicago, Illinois, the same weekend as AEW All Out. Yes, Jeff Jarrett, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, Eric Bischoff, and friends. Yes, I said friends. We'll be joining our top guys and gals for a weekend event they will never forget. So sign up today over at adfreeshows.com and commit to being a part of the next one because this isn't the last. Oh no, the party is just getting started. So take the plunge. I guarantee there is a tier that is right for you right now over at adfreeshows.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Good, Conrad. I am uh, excited to be a lot of first in in my life uh, in 2021. And this is going to be my first Ask Jeff Anything. Pretty excited, you know, as we were teeing things up here and I don't know what you do if you were walking the Spice Girls or running Honey Do List, but I was sitting here waiting patiently. But I was, I was uh, flipping through the YouTube channel uh, where, you know, and this is, look, it's just good old two Southern boys, one from Alabama, one from Tennessee. So it's not any big WWE numbers or AEW numbers or impact YouTube numbers, but we're about to reach a million views. Hey, that's pretty cool. I mean, we're starting. Look, look, uh, this was just a, Conrad, uh, persistent myth, uh, less than three months ago. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've been chasing this opportunity for a long time. And now today we're doing something totally different. We're throwing the keys to the audience, letting you guys put your hands on the steering wheel. We got tons of questions for what we're calling ask Jeff, anything. There's absolutely no way we'll get to them all. Uh, maybe we'll do some of these behind the paywall. Of course, we've got lots of bonus content over at adfreeshows.com. You get all of our shows early and ad free, plus some extra bonus stuff. And boy, have we got a fun August plan for you. Of course, we're getting things kicked off today with ask Jeff, anything next week. We'll be back with new blood rising. Yes. A WCW 2000 story. You don't want to miss. Of course, we'll finish out the month of August with a couple of summer slams, both 98 and 99. And then you tell me, boy, you've got some stories about hard justice, 2006, a TNA wrestling show where. Well, there's a lot of stars with the company by then. Let's jump into it though. Barat wants to know how was the whole ring King adventure in India and how much did Jeff enjoy his feud with, boy, I'm going to butcher this name. Harbhajan Singh. You said it accurately. Wow. We're jumping right into, uh, it's crazy. I I've, you know, on Twitter that I, I see, you know, on the, the hashtag ask Jeff anything. And it's amazing how that's the format. You really are letting the uh, listeners take the keys to the kingdom. Uh, but I did see this question on there. So we're starting with that. Wow. It's going to catch me off guard, but not really because it's uh, one of my passion projects. I have said this many times. It's, it's a, it's a, it was a life experience doing Ricky King and Conrad. I'm just going to get this out in the open right now. If I get too granular, in any of these answers, just cut me off. 
uh, put me on mute. Tell me to shut the whatever up uh, because I could. I could make a whole. I can't wait. We're going to do a whole episode. Uh, well, no, you pick the topics, but I'd like to do a whole uh, episode on the entire Rinky King experience. Oh, we will. And personally, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life to, to really take a just a, a, a seed that within TNA offices, uh, nobody said that they said that, that that will never happen. This time I was working in live events and international and there were executives at, at, within TNA and, and, uh, we really were the little engine that could and the financing and into uh, India, um, great folks. I can't say enough good about their team, but just to get that thing off the ground and the sponsorships that came with it and colors network is comparable to an NBC here, Conrad. So, I mean, it's, it's at the very, I mean, it, it, it's just so many cool things, the sponsorships, the, like I said, the, uh, off hours when we weren't producing all the content over there, we got to go on a couple of a day excursions. We went to Tata motors and, and saw how they built all the cars. Anyway, I could ramble, but it's not really ramble because it was a great experience, but the Harbishan Singh, um, storyline and angle and, you know, most people will not really know and who Harbhajan in, but he's comparable to, I always like to say he was, you know, Michael Jordan might be too much of a stretch, but not really. I mean, a major, major, major cricket player, superstar, um, and, uh, married to a, a real famous actress. Uh, so, I mean, you talk about an A-list couple, uh, you know, an athlete and an actress and Harbhajan, um, he, he became a personal friend out of that. He sent me, he's got a deal with Reebok. He sent me a pair of shoes and, and the, how he signed the shoes. And Conrad, you might've seen this in my uh, man cave. You're like, what's that pair of Reeboks doing on your mantle up there? But if you look real close, it's signed. So, um, I, you know, it was a wonderful experience. He's a really good athlete. Um, for those that hadn't seen it, uh, you can probably uh, YouTube this, but I ended up having a blindfold match with Arbajan. Uh, so I was blindfolded and a lot of fun, but I, I can't say enough about it. And uh, Rinky King was a great experience. Of course, uh, I have to admit, I don't know a ton about this individual, but I looked him up on Instagram, 4.4 million followers on Twitter, 11.2 million followers, uh, in Alabama. That means he's over. So, uh, <laughs> be lots more to talk about in the future. I'm sure, uh, Ian, great friend of the show and a strong Twitter follow. Writes Vampiro claimed you wouldn't put him over for the WCW world title. Considering vamp is legendary for his bending of the truth. Is there any truth to this accusation? I won't go granular, but there is absolutely zero truth to that. Just to, to even digest that, um, bless his heart. I love vamp worked with him a lot of years, but there is zero truth. And to, to, to just get it out there. That means that he believes he was in consideration for that title. I, I don't know. I, I just, uh, you no. didn't, you, you don't think the, the WCW brass considered him a world champion talent. I was never, I never observed that. And I never, uh, heard that. Um, me neither. I, I just, you know, I, I'm saying that, but there was zero truth to that. Like zero. Michael, I'm saying, you what? As the uh, question was asked, he bends the truth. That even is, in my opinion, that's even bending the truth for Vamp. So you know, you you got over hundred percent instead of just saying zero. Maybe you should put percent at the end. Zero percent. Just <laughs> zero percent. Make that our thing. For sure. 
Michael McLenahan says, had TNA not been able to secure a deal with Kurt Angle back in 2006, does Jeff believe the company still would have been able to be as successful as it was? If it was not for Kurt Angle, would the company, who would the company have built their brand around? You know, I've never been a guy that, that, that gets into the hypotheticals and what ifs and, you know, sure. Book a dream match here and there, but, um, you know, this format is going to sort of challenge me in a lot of ways to really sort of think that through, uh, because I have not, I never really gave that a lot of thought. Uh, would we have been successful? Yes. I, I, I sincerely believe we would have because, uh, as a Vince McMahon or a Jim Crockett senior or a Eddie Graham or any, um, promoter will tell you that, that, you know, your, your, your brand is at the end of the day, the real strength of it. And Kurt, without question, uh, I was elated to get him. We went after him hard. Uh, we, you know, wanted him on the team and I told, and I think I've already said this on the podcast. I told Bob Cotter, uh, Cotter, Bob Carter, that Kurt will identify our brand in so many ways, but we, we have been as successful. Yes. I believe we would have Jeff Spurlock wants to know how did that sweet chin music from Chuck Norris feel at the 94 survivor series during the casket match between the undertaker and Yoko Zuna feel. I always figured normal wrestling boots wouldn't be that bad, but Chuck was wearing cowboy boots. Kind of had another question. I could probably get into the nitty gritty here, but I like the pace we have going and, uh, I'm going to let you continue to coach me up. And, uh, for those that see the video version, uh, Conrad tells me to shut up or speed up or whatever, but I've, I've talked about Owen sort of giving me a little soft ribbon, but, um, I'll say this, uh, Mr. Norris, um, can work. (laughs) He, he laid it in there, but, uh, no damage. Uh, but you know, he, he, Obviously, with his background uh, of not just uh, his athletic background and in uh, the martial arts, but in Hollywood uh, and his ability to do stunts and not hurt other stuntmen, um, he knew what he's doing without question. He laid it in, but it and it looked good. Uh, it felt good, uh, but but uh, no long term damage. I'll say that. Lindsay wants to know who made your earlier gear and what was the thought behind, behind having the collar and stripes down the middle? Of course, uh, I believe, uh, Eric Bischoff once referred to this outfit as a dick dancer outfit. Yes, so he I, did. I, I can, I, I can only that. assume that you went to Chippendales and were inspired. <laughs> now, if you caught last week's episode, uh, of the ain't I great, uh, we did go into detail about this, but no, that was, um, you know, just a little progression of the, the double J tights. I started out obviously as a referee, then short tights. And not long after that, um, cause a lot of guys in the territory and I can remember having these different conversations. If you look at, you know, Lawler had long tights, the fabs had long tights. They started short tights, but they went long tights, the rock and roll express. There were a lot of teams that, that had long tights. And, um, I got criticized for some guys when I, when I went to, um, long tights early, like Jeff, the only good body part you have is your, uh, is your legs. And now you're covering it up, but went to anyway, went to long tights. And then as I sort of progressed making more of a persona, I did uh, for a short period in Tennessee or, or USWA, I did uh, the fabulous one, Jeff Jarrett, simply irresistible and all kind of different things, but I was going to just, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, no, here we, no, no. Here we go. I know. So I, I'm teeing you up. I, I just, I fished you. And got it. <laughs> Did you just say simply irresistible? Did you come out to that song? 
oh, I, you know, you're going to get chastised online for not knowing that. If you're a Jeff Jarrett fan. I'm not. So, I've hated you my whole life. So how would well, I know that? But I'm just well, saying. You may have hated me in the past. I don't like you today. <laughs> <laughs> the Robert Palmer song. Let's just play a little so everybody knows what we're talking about. Because this was heat, brother. Oh, big. T- and I'm coming out as a baby face. <laughs> to this. <laughs> Oh my God. And here comes Jeff Jarrett. Early nineties, baby. Can you just not feel it? Can you not feel that Conrad? You hated my guts before you even knew me. Oh God. (laughs) You were on full blown rap patrol back then. Listen to this. I mean, listen, nobody can argue this wasn't a hit song. But that you heard it and you said, that's it. I'm going to shave my body, put that self tanner on. I'll tell you when they cut it every night in the small spot shows, if you kept the music going. Made the music out. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest is 15 minutes in time limit. (laughs) Introducing in the corner to my left out of Hendersonville, Tennessee. Dressed like a fucking goof. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) put your hands together. Oh, my God, Conrad. I'm out. Peace out. Hey, folks, I'll talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Conrad, CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel. Stress, anxiety, pain, and feels. Well, it's a better way to feel better. Feels is a premium CBD that will help to keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free. It's actually delivered directly to your door. CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, sleeplessness. All you have to do is place a few drops of feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important. And you know what? Everyone's dose is different. In fact, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose. The Fields customer service team is dedicated to making sure you get the best use of your CBD. Joining the Fields monthly membership makes your self-care easy. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. So guys, it's time to take action. Start feeling better with Fields today. Become a member by going to fields.com slash myworld and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's Fields. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash my world to become a member and get 50% off automatically taking off your first order with free shipping. Again, that's Fields, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash my world. Well, you know, Rick, uh, it was funny because making an hour riding around, I don't know, like two weeks ago. And, uh, we had it on one of those eighties channels or something. And Phil Collins, easy lover came on <laughs> and I started laughing and she said, can you imagine when this song came out? I said, your dad used to come to the ring to this. She's like, no, he didn't. I said, oh yeah. I saw him wrestle Barry Windham at battle of the belts in Florida. And he came out to this. She's like, what year was that? I said, 87 when he was on wife number two. And we just had a good chuckle that. Here comes Ric Flair, easy lover. And now here you are simply irresistible. So a uh, little story riding with my youngest daughter to a basketball tournament and, you know, Sirius has, uh, you know, the seventies, eighties, nineties, the 90s. She actually is like, this is a, she likes the nineties and, you know, she was born in 
oh gosh, oh uh, six, oh oh four, not oh six, oh four. Uh, but so you know, way way before her time. But I just saw a little blurb on was it Instagram something about Vanilla Ice who went into while the the reason why nineties pop culture is so hot it's because it's the last era this is his belief it's the last era before you knew what your favorite star had for lunch or where they hung out coming out of the gym it was the it was the last era of pre-social media that's the simple way to say it but but he got into great detail and then i've anyway so back when stars were stars and they were without they were out of reach and no, yeah. I get it. Um, yeah. Back when I wore the nice Dick Dancer outfit and you <laughs> screamed and cheered at me like uh, you were my greatest uh, fan right there. I said, no. So uh, uh, who made that gear, though? What's the lady's name? Shout them out. Oh, so. Um, okay, you ready for this? Ready. Six degrees of, of uh, um, Charlie Collins. Uh, Miss Collins uh, was her name. She lived uh, in East Nashville. And her husband played on the Grand Ole Opry for years and years and years and made different country music. Not, I I don't know that any like leading artists, but a lot of bands and backup singers and that kind of stuff. She's the one who physically made it. I came up with the design. We talked about this last week. Uh, There was some other um, ins and outs of it, uh, but the material and all that just, God, what a different era. I mean, just such a different era that, you know, a lot of folks, in the eighties and nineties, we're still in that. It's funny how time has sort of progressed because you sort of wore the old simple Carlin Hildegard tights, just the real, just the most, I mean, you know, like we just brought up Rick, you know, Rick's tights, um, were once he took the robe off, he, he wore whatever everybody else did, but his robe set him apart. So the costuming and, uh, you know, if you look at my creative career or, or promoter career, uh, certainly, you, you know, where I believe it's so, so identifiable what you wear to the ring and how you look and the music simply irresistible. It was, uh, listen, you pop for it. Uh, Kurt wants to know if WWE let let bygones be bygones and brought you back in 2001 Well, for all of the inevitable ladder matches, TLC matches, hell in a cell and elimination chamber matches that you would have been in and all the pushing the limits that those guys were doing physically. Do you think your career would have been able to last as long as it ultimately did? I do. Uh, and, and, um, you know, on some kind of bonus deal, and we've talked about this, my long-term, um, applied kinesiologist. He's, he's more than a chiropractor. Just, I've always really focused on, um, preventive maintenance, stretching. Yeah. Yes. Everybody works out. I mean, you know, you look at Jeff Hardy, he's still rocking and rolling. And that guy, I mean, he's up there with, I really can't think of a talent that has put his body through, I mean, Shane McMahon, but, but it's not day in day out. I mean, there's some guys, you know, now it looks like Darby's coming along. You know, there, there's some guys that just, that's a part of who they were. That that's, that was never me, obviously. Uh, but always, uh, had a real focus for diet and exercise and sleep and stretching and working out. So I do, I think my career would be, uh, you know, just the same. Uh, Gil Boldberg, if that is your real name, writes, uh, what was the reaction backstage when Derek couch, AKA Robbie of the Highlanders, Showed up at a TNA taping while being employed at WWE in March of 2008. 
since this played a part of getting him fired, does Jeff regret showing him on camera during the broadcast? How about that question right between the eyes? What do I regret? So the question is, do I regret? Well, you showed a guy who worked for WWE in the crowd at your show. And because you showed him, he got fired. So the question is, should you have shown him? Do you regret getting a man fired? Do you cost him his job because you made a decision? Okay. I don't. And the reason being is that there were so many things going on in 2008 to, to put, boy, I could really get uh granular here, but just to put things in, 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 cause this was uh WrestleMania season, right? March. If I remember yeah, while March, March town, 08, yeah. I come over and, and all that. But I remember hearing the buzz, I'll call it buzz. They were like, Hey man, they, they, this WWE talent is out in the crowd. I'm like, why is he not back here? Although he he don't want to come back here. I'm like, huh? I I, I couldn't put that together that. Well, he probably didn't want to go back there because he didn't want to get heat because you, one of your stooges would have called the torch and said, oh, he was backstage looking for work, trying to test the waters, blah, blah, blah. And you so know, it turns out he's allowed to be a wrestling fan and absolutely prove it. I mean, that, and I'm like, well, hang on I, now, I, hang on now. You got an ISO shot on him. It's not like we would have picked him out of a lineup on a broad shot. Nobody was going to, you know, go back through it. Like it was the JFK film. That's not a thing we were doing, but you made sure Oh no, get his mug high and tight. Let's make sure they know he's here. Oh, I love the paddle you have there right now. <laughs> Stir it up. But I, I do remember being asked like, and I'm like, of course you're going to show him on camera. Oh what, man. What is the downside? Well, he I got mean, fired. That's the downside. I certainly didn't think, I mean, I don't, th- I didn't think the guy would put his job at risk by coming to a show. So I kind of went, okay, if he's going to be here, he's at least willing to take the risk or he has taken the risk. Does he think we're going to shoot around him? I mean, he knew the industry. Um, but you know, I hate that he got fired, but that's all post-mortem. All right. So once he got fired, did he call you and say, Hey Jeff, since you personally got me fired, can you get me a job? <laughs> I, not to my recollection, but I, I, I think he is. Um, I think he knew Scott Demore. I think he knew quite a few guys. I'm sure he did w- w- within, uh, our crew, but no consideration of getting him a gig. Just fuck him. Let him figure it out. Right. I don't think that was an option. I have a feeling he had a non-compete. Uh, you know, well, that's a good story. I wonder we need to uh, do a follow-up on the next ask Jeff, anything we need, I'll do, I'll do some research. Here's what we need to do. We need to get him on the show. Okay. You know, add free bonus content. No, no, no. I, I want everybody to see this. Like, let's get okay. him on camera. And, uh, I mean, here's the thing. I don't even know what that guy's doing now, but I, I mean, I haven't heard from him in forever. So let me ask you. Uh, just if we can stop down just for a second, you ever heard of wrestlers court? I know you have. Oh yeah. I'm in the loop and I think you need to be brought up on charges. Okay. So let, let's, let's just identify. Um, can we get, I think Tony Shivani would be an excellent defense lawyer on my behalf. Well, let me give you a spoiler. He's done interviews since where he says that in retrospect, I think it was kind of my way of getting fired. I mean, he was unhappy. So I'd like for you to be the judge, Tony, to be my defense attorney, Dave Silva, who's uh, already in hot water. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> do you care to elaborate on that just today? Like uh, just a snapshot of it. Are he, you still he, mad? He took a shit on my floor and let he, Megan clean it up. Proof. 
Um, I believe it was his son, but we're going to fade the heat to him. Well, then there you go. I mean, you, you right there, you, you, you being the judge of me and, and Robbie, you just got, you just got thrown out of court because you've already lied. You've perjured yourself. No, no. Here's the thing. No, I, you said Dave Silva and we faded the heat. Well, no, no, well, let's run through that. Let's say, let's say your young son, Cody got in a little bit of trouble. Would you want me to humiliate him on the podcast or just say that you did it instead? Mm, damn you. So I'm trying to be a good dad here. Right. Yeah. But I think his kid took a shit on my floor. Uh, mm. and I only say that because like if Silva did it, it'd be like a log, you know what I'm oh, saying? Well, like okay. an elephant log. What? Yeah. Elephant, door. elephant door. All right. So here's Ben, uh, by the way, uh, Robbie wanted to be fired. So he's let you off the hook, but we got to run him down. I don't know what he's doing, but he's probably a regular dude with a real life now and got a real gig and all that. I think wrestling's got real lives. Yeah. That's the derogatory comment that no, you just, no buddy. Okay. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's not normal. When you ask your teenage daughter, honey, will you shave my back? Daddy's got to go take flat backs across the state. We'll be back in a little. No, that's not real. All right, let's run a timeout right now, Jeff, to talk about what's becoming a long-term sponsor for us. And if you've had your car for a long term, you probably know that eventually you're going to need to make a run down to the corner store, that parts store and pick up something that your car needs. But here's what I learned, Jeff. Did you know those stores have two different price tiers? Of course I do, Conrad. Do you think I, I have a horse and buggy up here at home? Well, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I didn't know if you're a professional mechanic. You get the deal of a lifetime. Whereas me or you, these old do it yourselfers, we pay up to twice as much for the same parts. These stores are actually charging you based on what they can get away with, like a freaking airline, but that's never the case at rockauto.com. Just like your business and mine, rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for like 20 years. So do me a favor, go to rockauto.com, search for all the auto and body parts you could ever need from hundreds of manufacturers and they have everything Jeff from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps and motor oil. Hell, you can even get new carpet, but this isn't just for, for your classic daily car. It's for your daily driver too. You get everything you need in a few easy clicks and it's delivered directly to your door. And by the way, the rockauto.com catalog is so easy to navigate. Even my dad can do it when he's looking up parts for his old school Corvette. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Then you choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. But best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. I spend up to twice as much for the same parts. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write my world in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. That's rockauto.com. And please write my world in the hi, did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you Jeff, let's get back to the show. Let's do it. Uh, Ben says, I remember your big title match with Raven on the NWA TNA being one of the most highly anticipated matches during the asylum years. What was it about that feud and about Raven that you think made the angle and the match so memorable? Great question. Conrad, did you ever attend any of the asylum shows? About 40. My jaw just dropped open. I mean, maybe I'm high. Uh, like, maybe that's a high estimate, but dozens. I saw. Yeah, it was a regular stop for me. It was two hours up the road. Yeah, it okay. was easy. I, 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 but wow, I learned something new every day about my partner. Um, so the asylum fans that were crazies, 
And we had sort of got into a rhythm of, of the storytelling and we'll call it the, the regulars. And there was a section called the heel section that was right as you walk down the ramp to, to, to the right, as you walk down the ramp, um, uh, Raven, uh, Raven is super talented. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, I don't know what his age would have been then. Uh, but you know, me and him were both in our, I think, uh, in our, in our mid thirties. So seasoned, uh, knew what to do. We, we really had good chemistry, um, and things just clicked and it was that weekly episodic and, I, I, I don't think I can understate how important the crowd was to, um, to, to that, to, to the storyline and to, to the weekend and week out. And when we built that, we sort of put, um, uh, you know, we had come off of, we'll just say year one of, of 2002 and all the craziness and get into 2003 and had that regular cadence and we could focus on putting our flag in the ground and say, for this month, this is a big match. And next month, here's a big match. And the following month. And when we sort of set that date and kept building toward it, um, it's it's what happens when you have patience, when you have identifiable characters, when you have stakes. Um, and when you you know have a, not only was the, the, the storyline over the belt, but people knew we had a personal feud. Uh, and it just, we, we both... Um, really dove into the program and the results uh, it, to me, as I look back, I think it was the most anticipated match of the asylum days. And we, you know, we did, we had people lined up two thirty three in the afternoon and we turned away as many as we let in. So it was really uh, looking back on it in hindsight, a really fun story. And Raven is really a wrestling genius. And I don't think enough people talk about that now. I don't know if it's wrestling politics or timing. And I know once upon a time, he had a monkey on his back, but what an incredible performer. Some of my lifelong quote unquote wrestling friends count Raven as one of their favorite all time guys to watch. They just love that character and he pulled it off so well. And you guys did some pretty innovative stuff with him and really let him be him instead yeah. of trying to box him into something else. Uh, and that creativity that he probably always had inside, but we didn't get to see since CCW. We certainly didn't see a ton of it in WCW and almost none of it in the WWF you let loose. So I enjoyed that stuff. Go back and check it out and we'll have details on, on how to do that soon. I'm sure. Uh, Alex, you know, go ahead real quick on that. Cause you go back like Scotty, the body came into Memphis USWA way back in the, the, the late eighties. And then Johnny Polo at WWF. So me and Scotty, I still call him Raven. We had known each other a long time and then worked around and different, all that. But when, that, during those formative years, of TNA Ravens, uh, uh, clockwork orange house of fun match. Um, you know, it was, it was branded. It was, it was just, you said it, we let Raven be Raven and, and the, and, and, and the ROI was fantastic. Up next, we've got one from, um, Alex. He says, WCW's closure stopped me watching wrestling for a few years, but seeing TNA on the wrestling channel on sky back in 04 got me back in. How did the deal come about? And thank you for helping getting me back into wrestling. Some of our listeners here domestically may not be familiar with sky TV, but boy, what a platform and TNA was there all the way back in 2004. How did that deal come to be? So our first original international agent was a guy named Matthew Odie. And, uh, our first clearance ironically was in India. 
Um, so the, the TNA brand was, was, you know, in India, I think 2003. And then, uh, we got that clearance early and then not long after that, uh, Richard Dennis and RDA and, and that team came over and Paul Benson and, and the whole crew as, as time went on. Uh, but we just got that early clearance and you know, our, our buddy Grado, uh, <laughs> um, that's where he was introduced to, to the brand and, and really fell in love with it. Um, so, um, it was, it was like, that was one of those cornerstones of building the brand of TNA in the United Kingdom. We've got a question here from uh, dismal abysmal. And it's something that out of context, maybe doesn't make any sense, but I think he's onto something. Does Jeff think there was a concentrated effort on the part of the world wrestling federation in the nineties to quote unquote, go country. Of course, he's talking about your country music singer act. And of course we had other characters like Tennessee Lee in a different era, but the smoking guns were doing a cowboy look. I think that's more mirroring the culture. You know, you go back a decade before and everybody was the rockers or the rock and roll express and you had van hammer with the electric guitar. They even tried P and news in the very early nineties with rap, but boy, those early to mid nineties, the hottest genre of music, as far as what's selling tickets, what's selling albums, it was country music. So a lot of times pro wrestling mirrors, pop culture, country music was it, right? There is so many unique, uh, maybe not for this format, legendary stories, but, but in the world of entertainment and specifically music that the number one station in New York, the number one station in Boston, the number one station in DC, all, all these, what you're talking to is, and, and, and people just can't wrap their head around that it was country and, you know, that there was that level of, of Toby Keith just broke out, but Clint black and, and, and the hat acts, but then Garth came along and he just changed everything. He was, um, you know, his records that he hold, but, but he, he grabbed, uh, America in so many different ways. Uh, and so you're right. It, it WWE and WCW and any form of sports entertainment slash professional wrestling always latches on, um, to pop culture, just like I latched on to simply irresistible when Robert Palmer, there you go, Conrad, don't shake your head at me, but, uh, but no, um, th- th- I, you know, I think, uh, you know, Kurt Henning rap is crap. And I mean, you just mentioned smoking guns and, and we could go on and on and on, you know, there's a time and, and I mean, yes. We, we mirrored pop culture and country was at the very, very top of, of, of making money, not just the charts. It was what was making money in entertainment. Ian Bishop writes with all the talent out there, not currently signed. And with such a wealth of streaming options out there compared to when Jeff was trying to market TNA, has he ever been tempted to try and launch his own promotion again? Next up, we got a question from Bryant. He says in early TNA, you had some of your wrestlers work in ring of honor. Was there ever an attempt of co-promoting a show with them at that time or any other promotion in the early days of TNA? Well, the reality is you guys did have, uh, some talent working both places until well, ring of honor had a little bit of a scandal. And I think collectively you guys decided you needed to distance yourselves from that. And there became an impasse. You had to sort of pick a side. If you were a talent. You want to work for ring of honor or do you want to work for TNA? Do I have that about right? I mean, I can't say the scandal was the, 
I, I remember that we had to have first priority. Yeah. And I understood Ring of Honors or any other promotion. Not you don't have to single out Ring of Honor. I always wanted to create working relationships going back to these days. Uh, that one PW, uh, I think that's a question. Uh, I don't know if it's it, we're going to get to it today, but there's promotions all over. Um, I mean, zero one in the early years, and I know they had, had moved on, but whatever, you name it, any kind of promotion. We got into the Mexico situation, uh, but Ring of Honor, um, Gabe actually came down to the asylum. So we wanted to work with any and all promotions because it's, you know, you're well aware that, you know, we were one night a week. We knew guys could make a living by, and I mean, not even close just on the TNA check. So we wanted to create those working relationships, but it was a give and take of you got to prioritize for us to tell weekly episodic stories. We got to have a, a nucleus that we get first priority. So, um, there, there was a quasi working relationship, but, it, but it just sort of ebbed and flowed. And then, you know, the, uh, the situation that went down, um, I, I think everybody sort of went there. I'll say they're separate ways. Ben writes, my favorite wrestler of all time is Bret Hart. And I was curious if you and Brett were friends during your WWF run, your WCW run, and are you still friends today? Absolutely. Still friends today. You know, um, and we talked about it on the Owen episode, and I'm sure we will talk about it you know, off and on throughout my career. But from the day that, you know, I mean, I worked with Brett, it wasn't when we've documented this, but you know, my first main event in WWF was with Brett. Um, and so, and that's why, you know, when me and Owen bonded, it, it wasn't, it wouldn't, it was never over wrestling. It was really being sons of promoters who were family guys that, um, just the wacky world of, of our upbringing and seeing the world through the lens of, I don't say feast or famine, but ups and downs and trials and tribulations and, you know, kayfabe, the, the days of kayfabe and not kayfabe and, and just all that kind of stuff. So me and Brett, um, we're the same. We, we bonded over our, our upbringing, if you will. And then our love for what we did and, um, you know, Brett broke in for his father. I broke in for my father, but at the end of the day, you know, when you take everything off the table, you want to like, like in any form of business, you want to achieve and go as high as you possibly can in the industry, uh, that you started out on. And, and that was at the time. And, you know, to this day, the WWF WWE. So me and Brett had that in common. So, yeah. We were friends. Uh, I hate it when he got hurt, and I knew he was hurt at WCW uh, from the kick. Um, so yeah, me and me and Brett uh, were, were buddies in in '92 and and buddies uh, to to this day. You know the WWA tour. So we've worked together off and on uh, through every uh, <laughs> every every stop along the way. So Jeff, I don't know if you saw the pictures online over the weekend, but uh, Chicago had a little event called. Lollapalooza. And there was a fella running around there singing songs about the nookie and all things like this. And well, people say he looked a lot like you, Mr. Fred Durst, the lead singer, uh, the lead singer, easy for me to say from Limp Biscuit. Did you ever think he would look like Fred Durst? <laughs> Did you think I would ever look like Fred Durst or Fred Durst look like Double J? I like the shades though. They had a nice rose colored tint. Those are truly rose colored glasses. I'm dating myself there, but Lollapalooza uh, was a date to be at. That's the date. 
I just, uh, I thought it was interesting that after all that time, Fred Durst had switched his look up. He's no longer bald and, and skin up and, and wearing the baseball cap. Now he's got those long flowing, luscious locks. And it made me wonder did Fred Durst go to keeps.com. You see two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35 and more than 50 million men in the U S suffer from some form of male pattern baldness. Here's something you may not know. There are only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss and our friends at keeps. They offer both. You see keeps offers a simple stress-free way to keep your hair. You got convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months. You don't have to leave your home and it's a low cost treatment start at just $10 a month and keeps even offers generic versions. It comes in discreet packaging and you get proven results, but don't take my word for it. Check this out. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results. So act fast. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Jarrett to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Jarrett to get your first month for free. That's keeps.com slash Jarrett. Jeff, now that we've uh, talked about keeps and, and his funny haircut, did you ever do anything for the nookie? <laughs> That's a different That's commercial. Slash dot Jarrett. He really did look like he, let's get back to the show. Here's one about Vince Russo. This is from Kevin. He says Russo has claimed for years that the Roddy Piper promo was a shoot and that he really wanted to kick Vince Russo's ass, but it didn't look that way. And then a couple segments later, Vince was calling Athena a winch for 10 minutes to get heat. Uh, now just to catch everybody up, Piper did make an appearance for you guys down there in Nashville and cut what was, uh, I guess referred to as a quote unquote shoot promo, but this is the era of, uh, well, we're trying to work the boys. Do you remember that Piper promo going according to planned or were you in the back thinking, golly, that was not what we talked about. Well, and our, uh, I guess you want to consider he's like the, the, the black sheep of the ad free group, Dave Penzer. Probably. Do you have to refer to him as ad free member? I love you. I love you called him the black sheep. I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but continue. Oh, okay. So he's the, 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 the cousin third remove that we don't talk. I'm kidding. I love Dave. He knows I'm giving him our time, but Dave was on Piper's book tour and Dave probably has some really good insight and much, much better recall. But, uh, Roddy was out selling books and on a, you know, he was doing his book tour. And his publisher hired a big tour bus and they were over at the Marriott, uh, by the airport in Nashville. And I went over and chatted with him. We wanted Roddy to come, you know, it's easy for me to just say this now, but, but in hindsight, this is what we were doing. It was, you know, don't buy a wrestler, rent a wrestler. So create a buzz with Piper on the show and he's a part of the scissor reel and Hey, Roddy, come up with the show. You're going to do the state of the union of the wrestling industry, according to Rowdy, Roddy Piper. Hey, I'm up for it. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm like, Roddy, let's keep it between the lines. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously, uh, man, the, the polarization of Vince Russo in 2002, 2003, um, <laughs> you, you just can't, you know, I, would you say that it's at its fever pitch right then? I want to say pretty much during that time frame. I may be off, but I, I know that he was a 
for sure lightning rod. And uh, he didn't like, you know, that was a shoot. He did not like what Piper was saying and he went to the ring, but then nothing really happened. If I recall, it was just, we're going to stare each other down and get in a promo. And I, you know, Roddy had just come off hip replacement surgery. So I don't think there was going to be fighting on his end. I don't think Vince was going to fight on his. Uh, it was, it was, it was a mess, but it made for some compelling TV. I don't want to say great. I don't want to say bad, but it was compelling. That's for sure. But it was a shoot. Tyler says you've gotten the chance to share the ring with tons of legends and hall of famers over the course of your career. Who are some people that you never got the chance to work with that you wish you would have been able to. Oh gosh. I mean, that you mean, you know, if you go back, you know, I'm, I'm not a Mike Tanay professor historian, but I'm up there. Um, I would have, you know, I got to work with Tenru, who was a Japan great, but I could go through a couple of Japanese stars and, and Mexican stars. But in the U.S., you know, one guy, this may, I don't know, one guy that always I would be sitting there listening under his learning tree or giving out a fetch, I would have loved to have worked with Pat Patterson or been his partner. Um, there's, you know, th- that would have been just a really cool treat because his creativity and his talent and his mindset, and obviously his athletic ability in his day, um, Pat ranks right up there at the very, very top. Uh, I actually got to have a match with Dory Funk. So, so, and Terry Funk. So I've, I've you know, got, you know, uh, Harley got to hit me with the chair and I got to hit Harley with the chair. So the greats that I grew up on the NWA champion and that kind of stuff, never got to step a foot in the ring with Jack Briscoe. Uh, but man, I, I, I've sort of checked my, um, bucket list, uh, opponents, uh, unless you can come up with one off the top of your head. Uh, but, but Pat is always been in my mind ranked right up there at the very top. Uh, Michael wants to know any good Billy Joe Travis stories growing up, watching CWA wrestling on channel two out of Nashville on Saturdays. I always remembered you two teaming together. Oh, wow. Billy Joe Travis, Billy really helped me as a young talent. Um, Wow. A Billy Joe Travis story. There's some big ribs played on him. And I told that at the live show that that's uh, backstage. I told you that one, or I told you in silver, that one where the, the, he was winking at the girl on the front row because the girl, he thought the girl on the front row, uh, had actually sent him a nice little love letter. And then the love letter, it said, wink at me. I'm on section three, first row, whatever the her seat number was. So he winks at this girl during the entire match and the girl, <laughs> It's sitting on the front row has no idea why, why Billy's winking at him. That was a rib plate on Billy, but Billy really helped me a lot. I'll say this. Um, we got ABC affiliate channel two here in Nashville and, and me and Billy had a program with the rock and roll R- RPMs, Mike Davis and Tommy lane and the program click, right. And, um, the coverage back in those days, people can't really relate to this cause it was, you know, six channels, three networks and three U channels. And, and just it, it clicked, but Billy, when we were, I mean, you know, for the high school gyms and armories, you know, we did 2000 fans in Shebbyville, Tennessee and Columbia, Tennessee. We, I mean, really big houses for those times, Billy, uh, I guess that's, uh, maybe the first spot show sellout run that I went on and Billy was, would, would, he's one of the first guys that told me, Look, it's sold out there, so we don't need to do as much as we did. Uh, or what you're thinking? Let's just let it sink in and 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 just go out and have a basic, good, simple match. Um, they're going to be into everything. I guess he's maybe the first one that taught me 
less is more when you got to sell out in that type of environment. It's not a pay-per-view. It's not TV. It's just go have fun with the people. Mike wants to know in hindsight, do you wish you would have convinced Monty Brown to stay? I've always thought that Monty and AJ should have been the faces of TNA. So that is under the assumption that I didn't try my ass off. I could take you to the bench in Doubletree at Orlando that me and Monty Brown probably had maybe a 90 minute to a two hour conversation. And look, I, I had, you know, I'm, t- I'm talking to a guy and it goes without saying Monty knew that I had been in WCW. I had been in WWF uh, and been in champions in both and gotten those payoffs and, and sort of, you know, been on the other side of the fence. And so I'm not going to be a hypocrite and tell him that we can pay him as much money. Um, the only thing that, and, and I got it, you know, Monty had family and extended family had to take care of. Uh, you know, and, and the only thing that I'm offering him is, is hope and, and, and that hope doesn't pay the bills. Uh, but I damn sure tried, man, did I try in so many ways. Uh, and Monty will tell you that, but I can tell you, take, I could take you to the exact spot that me and Monty sort of had there. I, I guess, I, I, uh, swung for the fences and tried to get him to stay and he had his mind made up and, and rightly so. JM Wagner says, I like Southern justice, the former Godwins. Do you think WWE cut the gimmick too soon? Also, did the Harris brothers steal the gimmick of big guys in suits and glasses later on in WCW with you? Two different gimmicks. Uh, I love Southern justice. Um, if, if my memory serves me correctly, Mark Canterbury hurt his neck. Mm, and, that's right. And, and there was, there was a, and, and you look, there was a lot of just complete change over the time. Um, my haircut. I mean, it's just lot, lots of moving parts. Um, had they gone with that, I think the three of us could have, uh, you know, I, cause I think Southern justice out Tennessee Lee in Mark got his neck hurt. I mean, there was just a lot of moving parts. I love my time. Those are two of the funniest guys in the world to, to travel with and hang with and all that. Um, but we made a good unit and they were, you know, I guess what you, which the title, what Southern justice, uh, Ron and Don, they were in suits and bodyguards and they were called creative control. And it was just such a, it really, you know, only a couple of years apart, just completely different, um, characters. They they really were creative control, uh, with the suits and the glasses that they were like bodyguards where Southern justice, we were just a, a band of Southern Hellraisers, I guess you could say. I like it. I think it was a good gimmick. Uh, Lucas has a follow-up question to something that, um, well, you brought on yourself. You opened Pandora's box when you started talking about money and Lucas, well, he's taking it to another level. How much did Jeff get paid for doing the job to Jerry Lawler in the movie life with Mikey? (laughs) I'll say this. I still get big fat 12 cent checks. No tiny checks on life with Mikey. And that was done 30 years ago. Uh, it wasn't a big payoff because it, it was, I, I want to say me and Jerry went up first time I ever stayed in a huge suite of, of the four seasons in Toronto where we filmed that, but it wasn't a big payoff, uh, if I recall a, at all, but it was a couple of days of work and a lot of fun and got to, uh, hang out with Michael J. Fox and, uh, a bunch of child actors at the time that went on to become stars, but, uh, wasn't a big payoff. 
Well, since we're on the subject of money, here's one James Williams wants to know. So with all the rumors that always surrounded TNA and how much money was put into it through the years, I want to know, did TNA ever wind up making any money? Your God. Yes. Um, the narrative is out there, Jeff, you and I've had this conversation offline and you shared specific dates and years and all that stuff that you were privy to. And you had all the financials and P and L's and all that, what have you. But I do think that so many fans just gloss over those massive, massively profitable years and say, oh, they were still losing money. That was not the case. And that is fascinating. Um, I've learned a lot in the last 90 days about narratives on all kinds of things. I hated you, Jeff. Oh, okay. Well, wasn't I healed? But anyway, the narrative that TNA uh, never made money is it is baffling, but hey, man, it's it's uh, if if you don't get out there in front of things, it's it's very obvious. But the the real easy and not you know I'm, I'll go as granular as you want. But when we got the spike deal, we became profitable that day. That that we'll, we'll say that week. Uh, now the investment that went in, we made it back. But when you go from one to two hours, and you don't double your expenses, so. Uh, you know, 07, 08, 09, 09 was the most profitable year by, by far. And, um, you know, I, I received those owner checks and the talent was, you know, there was, you know, Kurt Angle making great money. I mean, there was a lot of guys making really good money. Um, would you, we were, would you get in trouble if you took a ballpark guess as to what the profit was in 09? Would you get in trouble revealing that? Just guess. Okay. Profit, profit. And that's paying bills and paying investors back and paying, uh, you know, all kinds of things back eight, 10 million. Wow. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to think on that and our investment. And I don't know, look, it, no, I don't want to get into to hypotheticals and all that, but our invest or not our, the Carter's investment was it just wasn't as rich as people seem to think because, you know, the asylum and I've gotten into the asylum days. That's about a, about a hundred grand a week. So, so, and that's, you know, that, that's, that's what we were spending. So we were making some money. I, yeah. We just, we, we didn't go in that proverbial deep, dark hole that people, you did, I a, guess, believe, you, you know, you, I, I don't know, but. It, it, and I, I mean, it, it goes without saying when we got the spike deal, we became profitable that day. You and I had a conversation about a series of tapings that you did once uh, for a television project that was ordered. And you said, oh, well, I knew we could make money with it because my, my talent budget was this and the building cost this and all the travel was going to cost that. And I was getting paid this. And so you and I just very quickly hit it off from a business standpoint of the business of professional wrestling, not just talking about creative angles and storylines and all the, what have you, but dollars and cents, black and white. Uh, well, actually, uh, I guess red and black, those are the colors that matter. And I was just shocked at how your quote unquote wrestler brain worked because I didn't realize at the time, this is before you and I ever clicked record on anything. I was visiting your house to set up your equipment with Dave Silva and Cassio kid. Wow. This guy has multiple hats here. He's got the wrestler hat, but he's also got the promoter entrepreneur businessman hat. And how could you not growing up with your dad? Who's had more businesses than we have fingers and toes. <laughs> and, but you know what? And that is something that I I'm lucky. 
I'm blessed because my grandmother is, is, is a whole nother layer to that. And her sitting down with me and saying, you know, about really buying my first road car and a credit card, just sort of the simple basics, but rolling along and running a simple spot show knowing, okay, 26 or 29% goes to talent. You're building this, you're building that just how to break a show down. Like, I mean, the Jim Crockett, your, your office is in your shirt pocket. So carrying that kind of knowledge with me and, and really knowing, and, and, you know, you look at it today and with all the, 2021, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything that goes with it. What we do, and I'm saying we collectively as wrestling promoters, executive producers, owners, whatever you want to say, we produce content and the content is monetized. And now when you look at, we'll say WWE, you know, they put on a raw and you go, oh, well, USA pays them this and they do. Okay. So, so that's a paycheck. Yep. YouTube's a paycheck. Peacock's a paycheck. Merch. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I was going to say, you, 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 so you run Monday Night Raw, but you're, you're, you're making 15 bucks a head on merchandise. Oh, okay. That's that. Well, those 15 bucks a head on merchandise, that's not counting that Mattel money and that 2K money. It really is simple. And the shop zone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we could go on and on. That's why I absolutely am in love with this business and the opportunities that it presents today and the, 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 you know, gosh, when I th we're going in these TNA questions and thinking about that Robbie question or just different talent. And now with independent wrestling and uh, what a buzz it has, Conrad, and, and the amount of talent that's on the market. And that's what drives the industry is monetizing the talent. And how do you monetize the talent? You, you make more than you spend on production and lights and everything. That. I mean, just so simple. But it's not, but it, it really is. It, it is super simple. And looking at AEW's uh, future and, and a Wednesday and a Friday and the pay-per-views and then the international, and you look at AEW, uh, WWE with NXT, just everything going on and Impact and Ring of Honor and AAA and CML. I mean, just, it's really, really, uh, as you can tell, I get fired. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the future of the industry. I got a, you and I haven't talked about this, but I got a random phone call. I shouldn't say random, but there is a, a, uh, shall we say a power plant wrestler who made it to WC WCW TV and had some appearances in other places too, but he's out of the business these days. But, uh, and we've maintained, uh, I don't know, casual friendship. I'll hear from him every year or so, and mm -hmm. it'll usually just be about something that was said on a podcast, but he hit me up and asked if I was available for a quick call and he could not rave enough about this particular show. And he said, I've learned more about the business listening to Jeff's podcast than I ever did at the power plant. And I came to the realization that at the power plant, I learned how to work a match. I learned how to take bumps and how to take care of my opponent. And I learned in ring psychology and how to tell a story, but listening to Jeff's show, I've realized nobody ever taught me the wrestling business. So pretty high praise for you and your ability to sort of switch hats. It's interesting. You know, Conrad, can I just, uh, we, we, and we, we won't do too any more sidebars, but I'll, you know, the, the story you told me about you were going to college yep. and, and what the professor or the yep. teacher told you, and you went in and, uh, did the mortgage and the leads and all that, 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 that you figured out real quick college, ain't, you know, and I don't want to, well, here's the story. I, I'm in business. I got a scholarship. 
Yes. My sophomore year. And, uh, it was like a full ride at a community college, which is funny, but I knew I wanted to get into sales and I didn't want to be out of that area. Cause I already was in business and making money. So I'm like, okay, this will check all the boxes of what I think I'm supposed to do. And mm-hmm. my, my teacher was uh, van Scott and I took all of his business classes. Cause I knew that's what I wanted to do. And he made a statement my sophomore year. Uh, and I was about finished with my associates, but it was very beginning of the sophomore year. Cause I had been dual enrolled my senior year. Anyway, point being, he says, boys and girls, if you keep your head down and keep your nose clean in five years, some of you could be making up to $35,000 a year. And everybody was like, okay. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wait a minute, what? And I reach in my backpack and I pull out my pay stub. This is September, October, somewhere in there of 2000. And I reach in my backpack and I pull out my pay stub and year to date, I had made like 60 grand. It's like September or October. Yes, this is. And so at the end of the class, after everybody dissipates and leaves the room, I go up to Mr. Scott and I said, Mr. Scott, I think this is my last class. They said, are you dropping the class? I said, no, sir. I'm dropping school. (laughs) And he said, what do you mean? And I handed him my pay stub and he looked at it and he looked up and he says, you make more than me. What are you doing here? (laughs) <laughs> and that was all the confirmation I needed. And I don't mean to throw him under the bus. And so obviously he saw the value in higher education and dedicated his life to it. But if you're taking a business class to figure out how to make money, I had, I'd figured it out at 19 years old. So I was off to the races and you know, it worked out knock on wood. Uh, so I made community college dropout, but yeah, the idea was I had figured out business, but that came from a grandfather who was an entrepreneur, two grandmothers who were entrepreneurs two aunts and uncles who were entrepreneurs. Obviously my parents owned businesses too. So I had learned a lot about business and what to do and what not to do. And I figured out very early in life how to make money. So you and I are just sort of on the same wavelength about a lot of business stuff that other folks might not get and say, no, why are they doing that? But I can just say, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And you're like, oh yeah, well that makes perfect sense. And there's no further explanation needed, which is why I think we get along so well. Uh, that's why when I was walking this weekend, I said, Hey, you ever read that book? Good to great. Of course. It just, there's some things that, uh, folks, well, I won't divulge, but we got some things cooking along with Jeff and Conrad and ad free and other stuff that, uh, I am really excited about because, uh, the old hedgehog concept of Jim Collins is got to have a passion. Yep. You got to be good at what you do and mm-hmm. you got to have a niche at what you do. Uh, I, I don't, you know, he says you got to be the best in the world at it. You just got to be really good at something. You got to have a passion for it. And then you've got to be able to quantify. It's got to be, okay. What is my quantifying factor of making money? If those three come together and then you just get up every morning, roll up your sleeves, go to work and bust your ass and don't have excuses. Good things will happen. I believe that I told my daughter that this weekend. And, uh, between the two of us, I think we've got three things we're working on collectively that are going to get a lot of people talking. So I'm excited. I really am. Stay I tuned. Am. Uh, the real Brock Hall says, what do you think of the voodoo Ken mafia versus the WWE angle? Was there a true payoff in mind when it was created or was it just going to be something for buzz purposes only? So for those of you who didn't watch TNA in this area <laughs> era, easy for me to say, <laughs> You had, uh, some former WWE talent who were once upon a time, pretty close with Hunter Hearst Helmsley and obviously Vince McMahon. And they called themselves the voodoo Ken mafia or VKM, which is also Vincent Kennedy McMahon's initials. Uh, 
and they were threatening to do things in Stanford, et cetera, et cetera. It was just shock value, right? Sure. And I remember specifically having the conversation with my man with road dog, me and Brian were talking and he's the one who, Hey, BKM voodoo can, and I'm like, I love it. And, um, this was, was voodoo Kid mafia, him and Billy. Yes. Who, 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 and, and I think at different times, um, our truth was around too, because then they moved into my, the, 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 the evolution of that was three live crew, which I really liked Conan, Ron killings, and Brian, a white guy, a black guy and Hispanic guy. And, and they were money. They, they, they gelled and, 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 you know, the ins and outs of it, all that, but voodoo Ken mafia was, um, buzzworthy and Brian, uh, was really into it. And he can, he can, you know, if it comes from his brain, he's got a vision for it and we were just running with it and see what happened with it. Yeah. The idea was it'll be the, the quote unquote new age outlaws versus the 2006 relaunch of DX Hunter and Sean. So it was sort of the TNA spinoff of what they were doing with that era of DX. Correct. Uh, St. Chris says, what was the backstage slash non wrestling relationship between Brett and Owen Hart? Uh, seemed to take things much differently. One had nothing bad spoken about him while the other, well, that's a bit different. How did Owen escape issues with the likes of Sean Hunter, Vince, etc., all while being Brett's brother? You know, me answering this type question is, um, Obviously, okay. It goes without saying. It's obviously my opinion, but their personalities are incredibly different. Yeah, that they are. They they are just different human beings. Um, One's jovial, joking around, you know, and then the other takes the business very seriously. Well, takes life very seriously. Yes, I, you know, Brett took the business series, but he also took uh, going to the grocery series or his workout series or his, you know, he took life series. And not that Owen didn't, but Owen really, and you know, gosh, I mean, Brett, he loved a good rib here and there for sure. But Owen's disposition was just completely different. They, they are you know, obviously brothers, but two different human beings in, in so many ways. Brandon wants to know, did you have any say or influence over your WWF theme song or any of your theme songs, like the kid rock cowboy knockoff that Jimmy Hart did? Did you have any influence over your theme music? Now, uh, the first time I ever heard the double J, uh, ain't I great was when the vignettes played. Uh, and, and I was just like, you know, again, we're going to go back to country music on this. And in the nineties with Garth and Toby and Clint black and all that, that what you heard, I'm like, that may be the most 70 sound ever. I mean, it was, but I got it. I'm like, okay, you're not supposed to like this music. Uh, so I didn't have any input on that and I didn't have any input, um, I didn't have any input on any of my WWE themes. I don't think, and I, but, but, uh, I remember flying to Florida and Jimmy Hart was like, well, what do you like? And obviously I was, uh, you know, buddies with kid rock and, and, uh, the cowboy theme. And I, you know, I'd come off sort of a swing in the guitar and that type of vibe. And so I obviously had input on that and I'm a co-writer on my world. And, uh, those are the real themes I've had. So, um, Yeah. Those two themes I had heavy input on. Here's one from uh, Bryant. He wants to know who had the brilliant idea of the King of the mountain match. Explain what that is. Some of our listeners didn't watch TNA and it is different. 
<laughs> I was going to say brilliant idea. A lot of times it gets knocked. Uh, we're in the creative room and I don't remember who all was in there, but you know, the ladder matches uh, of, I'll just say, you know, from, I don't want to put a time on it, but you know, they had been around uh, Sean and Razor's ladder match in a lot of ways, put that on the global map. And so now we're several years removed from that. Uh, and so uh, I threw out the idea, let's do a ladder match. Um, uh, but without, uh, you know, that that's the ultimate match. Uh, the ultimate X match is a ladder match without a ladder. The King of the Mountain match, how can we make this different and ha- have more than two guys in it? Because if you have, anyway, so we just kicked around ideas. And I said, what happens if we hang the belt? Um, and, and the old proverbial thing, when you're kids, when you climb to the top of the mountain and you call your, you know, push everybody off. So we started with that seed of uh, having the belt uh, as a champion going, you know, a lot of times the uh, ladder match, it can be held up. And I said, no, a champion goes within it, but we hang the belt. And then we got into with five guys and I said, let's figure a way where pinfalls mean something uh, to add another layer to it. And then, okay, if you're going to get beat, I can remember, God, I've always, I've, I've tried to, recall this exact story, but I'm like, all right, if you get beat, are you going to be out of the match? We're going to have elimination. I thought that can really complicate it because now you're going to eliminate guys. But anyway, to, if you get beat, you get penalized, you get put in a penalty box. So it's pretty simple. Once you clear out all the clutter and it is going the match and hang that belt. And that's the, you know, that that's how the match is won. And if you get pinned along the way, um, you got to go into penalty box, but you can only hang that belt and unless you get a pinfall to get qualified. So it's a, it's a two-stage match. Penalty box. Can't yeah. wait to bust you on this one. Adam Leeson wants to know who was the ultimate get in Jeff's time in charge of TNA? Was it Hogan? Boy. Going back to an earlier question. Kurt was huge. Yeah. I, 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 I would have to say Kurt. So who else do we have in there? Cause you got Hogan, you know, Hogan flair. And, and I mean, there was Hogan, so many flair sting savage. Yeah. But I mean, like he had sting early. So he wasn't so much people. When we got him full time, it wasn't like a big publicized thing because we had him in the asylum once or twice. And then we had him, you know, so, I mean, sting, right. Sting's importance in the history of TNA is, is, is it without question goes up there at the very, very top, but I'd, I'd still have to say the ultimate get, uh, was Kurt. Wow. Welcome. All right, Jeff, let's run one more time out. We want to talk about an OG sponsor for us here. Our friends over at solid gold. Of course, we can't talk about solid gold without talking about how much we love our dogs. Of course, I got the spice girls. You got a couple of golden doodles too. What's going on? Why do we have all these poodles running around our houses? Oh, well, Opie and AJ, two of the best dogs in the world and little Tata, a little sheep boo. So, uh, but solid gold, it's, uh, they love it. It's, it's, you have to really try it to really watch your, uh, pets, uh, just devour it. So. Uh, and so healthy. Yeah, you know, I'm a health nut when I do man versus food. It's good to see my dogs doing the uh, dog versus food in a healthy style. Absolutely. Here's the thing. Solid gold foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods. They balance with living probiotics and they fuel with omega three and six fatty acids, supporting gut health and nourishing your pet inside and out. Now here's something you might not know. 
up to 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut. So the best way to support our dogs and make sure that they're feeling as good as possible is to give them a proper diet and make sure that their digestive health is on point. That's going to enable them to better fight environmental allergies. Solid Gold's nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact our pet's mind, body, and spirit. And if you love your dogs the way Jeff and I love ours, you just got to try Solid Gold. Now, here's the thing. For over 45 years, Solid Gold has revolutionized this holistic pet food category, and now they have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs. Check this out. They've got healthy whole grain and grain-free options. They have wet food, they have supplements like sea meal, and they even had 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. Your dogs are going to go nuts for that, and it's good for them. Right now, to save 30% on select Solid Gold products, you should go to solidgoldpet.com slash myworld. That's solidgoldpet.com slash myworld, and you'll save 30% on select Solid Gold products. Remember, that's solidgoldpet.com slash myworld. Uh, here's one from the Italian Stallion. This is way back. He wants to know, what did Sting whisper to you before he gave you the Scorpion Death Drop at the 96 World War III pay-per-view? Oh, By the way, cool. it's these type of questions that make me love wrestling fans, Jeff, because... In reality, he probably whispered, you know, Hey, it's two for one kamikazes at the Marion tonight, but in storyline, there was this deep, dark secret that, you know, it's something more than what it really is, which I think is great. You know, so what, what, uh, event was this? Cause I may have a little context for this. The maybe. 1996 world war three pay-per-view as a reminder, sting it's turned all the fake. This, uh, all the fake was there a bunch of fake stings in this match? I don't know, Jeff. I just know oh, that he turned. No, but, but he could have storyline driven, basically saying I'm the real sting. Cause I, I had mocked him, but I think that was later, but, but 96, that wouldn't have been it. He might've said, Hey, what, just what you're saying. We're going to, uh, <laughs> I'll see you at the, uh, uh, blackjack table, uh, <laughs> in an hour or, uh, Hey, Jeffrey. Uh, cause he's called me Jeffrey on many occasions. So. I'm going to, pl- I'm going to play the clip here. Oh, wow. It's been blocked by WWE. I guess I won't be playing. Let's see if I can find okay. it over here, but anyhow, so, um, so the giant people are pointing upstairs to the rafters is, uh, in the ring what with you. Well, that I have no idea. It's gotta be sting or something. Well, that's fans are pointing out. The sting is coming down. I guarantee you. Oh, look up there on the catwalk. Am I wrestling the, the giant? Himself. You need to come on down here. Yeah, you're yep. wrestling the giant and uh, Sting's on the top of the rafters. And I of course, really enjoyed this match with Paul. Really enjoyed this. So yeah. We work together. Not a bunch of fake stings. Looks like it's just you and him. Yep. And he's gonna jump the guardrail, make his way into the ring, and uh get to the business of getting it. Uh the referee, Pee Wee, he's counting out the giant. And Sting holds your hair, looks at you, and then here comes the death drop, and there you go. But you know, he might have said something to the effects of "thanks." Yeah. But you know, in storyline, we wanted a different answer. Sure. You know, you know, that's what's that's what's great about wrestling. Magic of our industry. I love it. Uh, Bob Collins Jr. wants to know: Has there ever been a time where during a match you realize the outcome may not have been the best way to go simply by how the crowd was responding? So maybe there's a situation you're probably going to have to put on your thinking cap for this one, where we had a planned finish, we were telling a story, but through the course of the match we realize 
oh shit, they ain't going to buy that. Maybe we should call an audible. Does a moment like that pop up in your memory? I can't tell you how many times in Memphis, uh, and I'm not saying in the generalities of Memphis, but the Memphis crowd and the Louisville crowd, a lot of times we would, um, think, okay, the, 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 you know, the heels have won three weeks in a row. Let's, let's let the baby face win tonight. And then the heel get their heat back. And when the baby face wins, there's this huge pop. And then the, when the, when the heel jumps back and they're beating the shit out of the, you know, the baby face again, you can just sort of let the air out of the building. And the people were like, Hey man, we've seen this four weeks in a row. Let, let us win once. Just, come on. Just, you know, they're, they're just not the response. We, the heat, the heel didn't get their heat back. And that's really in that weekly episodic. That's very granular Conrad, but um, I, I can't, you know, in TNA, same thing, the asylum, Sometimes you just have to give, and Dutch always told me this, look, sometimes just let it breathe for a moment and, and let the people have a little satisfaction. Let the wind sink in. We'll come back on TV. We'll come back the next week and continue the story, but just let things breathe. Um, that, that phrase comes to my mind often that in, in episodic storytelling, sometimes you just got to let things roll along. And I think sometimes on, on WWE TV, the, the baby faces slash good guys at times win too much where we're like, okay, we've seen that guy win four weeks out of five and whatever it may be. So there's always such a balance and it's, 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 it's not cookie cutter. It's not. Um, and, and again, you know, when you used to book uh, just for the Louisville audience or the Memphis audience or a, a, a certain region of the country, uh, whatever it may be, now, you know, you're, you're doing a storyline and, and, and it's, it's like a movie or whatever you're, you're doing a global story. And there's, there are so many different ways to do this business, right. And so many ways to do it wrong. And most, if not all times, whatever finish you do, you're going to get criticized and, and, and basically rightly so, because there's just so many different flavors. Here's one that, uh, we didn't go deep on when we talked about your, uh, WrestleMania experiences. I'm sure we will another time, but Jeff Springer wants to know, I know your match got canceled, but how was the rest of your day at your first WrestleMania? It's really cool. I mean, Madison square garden. Um, I mean, you know, you, you, uh, I broke in in 86 and, and, and here it is what nine years later. No, eight years later that 94. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to, to, to be on a WrestleMania, um, it was huge. And, you know, we, we had uh, done that whole, you know, it's really cool to be a talent from January to uh, mania in, in, in the WWE, because there's so much momentum and the rumble carries in and, and you just, it, it's that vibe and the building and the houses are up and you know, the live events are good and the payoffs are good. And then you get to mania and you know, this is a big blow off. Um, so it was, it was a, a wonderful experience. Here's one. Have you ever met George Strait, Alan Jackson, or George Jones? This is from John Rivera. Yes. To all three. I, you went through George Strait. Yes. Alan, Alan Jackson, Jackson, George yes. Jones. Oh yeah. Oh, George. My dad bought George's old house. Remember I told you that. Did story? he buy it from George? No, 
Uh, I don't, Oh, I don't think. Yes. I need to ask. We we, look. (laughs) No. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, because there's stories. It'd be hilarious them at a closing table and he rides a lawnmower <laughs> there. You know? And Tammy. Yeah. <laughs> Tremendous. Tim wants to know which role do you prefer the most, performer, booker, or owner? Uh, today? <laughs> uh, ever, owner. ever. Um, you know, it, it goes uh I have fond memories and, and obviously you got, you know, out on the road after a long tour, you know putting on those boots every night, uh, as much as you love it. Sometimes that gets old. I'll say, I think there's a difference, uh, the role of booking and creating and vision and the vision of things. I love that. I absolutely. Cause there, you know, there's a component of marketing. There's a component of booking. There's a component of executive producing. I love all that. The day ins and day outs, uh, of, 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 I'll say, producing an episodic television show. It is, you know, that writing team at WWE uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> to bring up Dutch again, uh, it is, you know, he told me long, long time ago, but many times during the startup TNA days, if this show comes off good, the talent gets the credit. If it comes off bad, we're going to get the blame. And that really is just what you signed up for. Yeah. So um, I, I, I like the owner role better than any of them. Fernando, want, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry about that. Fernando wants to know if I wanted to introduce a non wrestling fan to Jeff Jarrett, what match should I show them? Jeff doink 94. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, you what? know, I was like, wow. Okay. Maybe I need to go rewatch it. You said it with a straight <laughs> face. <laughs> no, um, a non wrestling fan. You and Sean in your house too gotta be me, me and Shawn Michaels in your house. We just, what was that? A uh, couple weeks 26 ago. Year anniversary. Brian powers wants to know who's the biggest name that was almost TNA bound, but for whatever reason, didn't happen. Not warrior as that's already been discussed. I say it's Jim Ross. Hmm. Yes. Jim flew out, had his chat with Bob Carter. Um, I think there were some discussions, with Paul Heyman. Uh, and no disrespect to Paul Heyman. I mean, I drank the Kool-Aid. You look over my shoulder, you see the ECW world titles, the, the sign I'm a huge ECW fan, but from a mainstream audience standpoint, if Jim Ross is all of a sudden the voice of your program, he lends his credibility to your promotion in a major way. Yep. Uh, Luke Stadler wants to know what is the most rewarding moment in your career, either as a performer, booker or producer. Wow. Getting, it, it, I mean, I, I, you know, getting that, uh, getting that owner's check and oh, nine. <laughs> you know what? You know what I was going to say is when. We had a celebratory meeting in New York city with spike. When we were going from one to two hours, that, that was it. And, and that was more or less, uh, uh, you know, I, I could remember going back to my room that night thinking, you know, here we are six, seven, whatever time frame was years later. And all the, I mean, literally 
when we've documented the first year tomorrow, you know, next week we're going out of business. It's never going to last. This isn't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. You know, all the, all that kind of stuff, all that chatter from year one to year two, to year three, the Fox sports net. And then just, you know, that summer when we weren't on at all, we were all Fox sports TV. And before we went on spike, I mean, there was a hell of a roller coaster ride. And then we went one hour and, and Conrad, our first contract with spike was Saturday nights off prime. Yeah. We were all at 11 Eastern. That's not the greatest time slot. One of the worst. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah, Saturday nights. And, and, and we weren't there long because people immediately tuned into us, it, which was huge. I mean, huge, but then, okay, we're going to go Thursday nights, but we're still not going to put you in prime. Okay. Okay. We did that for a while. And, and that was very, very successful. And then we went to primetime one hour. But when we went to primetime two hours, and that was the trajectory, and 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 that was that was a that that's up there. I mean, that you talk about a what if if we would have continued on that path and not not things hadn't transpired. Um, it, that was very rewarding. Obviously, a match with Shawn Michaels was huge. My matches with Kurt Angle, I remember with great fondness. I mean, at that stage of my career, I never thought I'd have. Uh, those kind of matches, the Rinka King experience was big. The UK tours of TNA, uh, the, the the profits from those, you know, there, there's, but that going to two hours was huge. All right, boys and girls, let's t- take a time out right now and talk about one of our favorite new sponsors. I'm on fire for this sponsor, Jeff chili sleep. Uh, this is a brand new sponsor to our show here, but one that I am so excited about Jeff, you've, uh, you've spent the night at my house before, and you know, right before bedtime, Man, I dropped the temperature in the house so cold that Eric Bischoff says you can hang meat in my house. <laughs> you can cure ham and do a few other things. You sure do. But uh, this next sponsor that you're going to chat about, chat me up about it because the, the I'll say the technology is quite amazing. And Karen is a huge fan already of it. Science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering our core body temperature. Temperature-controlled sleep restores testosterone levels. It repairs your muscles after a hard day's work and improves cognitive function so you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. Chili Sleep has done that for me. They make customizable, climate-controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. Chili Sleep makes the Uller, which is what I have, and the Cube Sleep System. They're hydro-powered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. Now, these luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. Now, that was the game-changer for me at my house. I like to go to bed, and it feel cold. Now, the reason I mentioned the whole keeping the house cool thing is now I've realized, Jeff, I don't have to cool the entire floor. I don't have to cool the whole house. I need to cool the bed. This is a no brainer. I feel like it's going to save me money. I feel like it's better for the environment, but more importantly, I'm sleeping better than ever. This is going to go ahead and help me fall asleep, stay asleep. It gives me the confidence and energy to power through my day. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. Chili sleep has made that happen for me for an extra layer of comfort. They even make the chili blanket. It's the only weighted blanket that can also be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. Man, there's nothing better than waking up hot and sweaty. Head on over to chillysleep.com forward slash my world to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for my world with Jeff Jarrett listeners and for a limited time. That's chili, C-H-I-L-I 
sleep.com slash my world to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. One more time, C-H-I-L-I-S-L-E-E-P.com forward slash my world, chillysleep.com forward slash my world. Jeff has one. I have one. You need one. You're going to be sleeping better than ever. Thanks to chillysleep.com forward slash my world. Here's one from mayhem and boy, this is going to be a story. I just know it. I've heard Jim Cornette talk about the Christine Jarrett grip and how she could humble the toughest wrestlers and even an athletic commissioner or two with it. Any stories, or can you comment on the Christine Jarrett grip? Oh Lord. I I certainly can. I've felt that grip. Um, you know, she would come up behind you too. If you didn't see her coming and she would, uh, grab you, grab you by the arm. Can I talk with you right now? That type tone. Um, there are so many stories and I've, you know, and through the years I've heard different guys come up to me and tell me little one-offs and she's gone out and back parking lots and knocked on car doors and get your butt back in the building. And, um, she, she was tough. I mean, with, with building managers, no nonsense, um, you know, with, 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 she had such an endearing way with fans, but w- would never get pushed over by, you know, she's dealt with drunks at buildings to box office managers, to athletic commissions, um, who tried to throw their weight around, um, just all kinds of things. She had such a, a business sense about her. Um, but man, no nonsense. And, and if she's dealing with one of the boys, she would, and, and a lot, I've seen her grab Billy Travis by the earlobe and, and pull him into a corner when she would be really mad at him for something he did or said, or showing up late. Um, <laughs> I have seen that on a, on a couple of occasions. So God rest teeny soul. Jim Wagner wants to know, how did you end up in the movie spring breakers? Oh, wow. Uh, sitting at my desk, uh, in downtown Nashville, the TNA offices. And I got an email and I thought it was a rib and it basically laid out, Hey, we've got this part, uh, movie part Val Kilmer. Literally this is what it said. Val Kilmer was cast for this. And now he has another big movie come up and he broke his commitment. We're looking, uh, for basically a, a youth pastor, uh, but that has some professional wrestling flair. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, who is this? And I would just responded back to the email and the, the, the writer, uh, of the, uh, the executive producer of the movie is from Nashville harmony. Uh, and we exchanged uh, a couple of emails over a period of time. And the guy who was a part of the casting director is now living here and that actually living in a Hendersonville, a really good buddy of mine, but we went through the quick deal and he says, Hey, can you do a quick table read all in one day? This came from a, a, a cold email to uh, our, my good buddy, Rudy Charles, took my phone in there. We recorded a little table read, sent it back to him. They replied the next day, got the movie part. Uh, what a cast of characters, Jane Franco, Vanessa Hudgens. I mean, it's a, it's an A-lister of Disney stars, but not in a Disney movie. I'll say that. No, not at all. And it's like they're doing a riffraff spoof, but yes. we'll talk about that another day. Michael Franks wants to know. What's your fondest memory of Tojo Yamamoto? Mm. His cooking. He uh, had Japanese Hawaiian cooking that he would bring over plates of fried rice and chicken and beef and steak. Those are some fond memories. Nothing like to- they, they called it Tojo sauce. Uh, Tojo. Uh, did he- you ever go to his restaurant? Him and him and Goulas. They had a never. restaurant, but you, I'm sure you oh. heard about it. 
Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. But Tojo cooked for us, uh, for, for, well, not for us, for my dad, he would bring food and, and my stepmom, Deborah. Um, Tojo's was very repetitive when he would start talking about the business, but the importance of selling of, I mean, he really, you know, uh, Vince McMahon wasn't the first person to tell me that Jeff, the money in this business is all in your face. And, and that was Tojo's. I mean, he, ha- he would be so repetitive that, you know, the, all the money is done in your face. You can have a body, you can have all the great moves, you can have everything, but if you don't have facial expressions and know how to, uh, communicate, uh, non-verbally, um, you're not going to make money in this business. I mean, he hammered that into my brain. You will not make money if you can't sell. That was, those are my fondest memories of Tojo today. Here's one from uh, James. He wants to know what was it like working with Mike awesome? And do you agree that Mike awesome is criminally underrated? Great athlete. Uh, Mike came through Tennessee. Uh, it was fun. It, the, the quick, uh, I don't say quick. I'm sure it's, I don't know, a month or so in WCW, but, um, Mike was, I don't say surprisingly, because people that know Mike know he, he's very athletic. He was very athletic. Surprisingly, uh, surprisingly agile for, 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 for how he would, I don't say just his look, but walking to the ring, Mike didn't look like he was as agile as he really was. Once you got into the meat of a match, he could go. He was only with you in TNA for like a couple of months. Oh, I think like April I, and May. I mean, very short time TNA. I'm talking about the WCW. But w- why didn't you use him more in TNA? Was it just a money issue? I don't think. I think Mike uh, was not Mike. I, I, I don't hold me to that. I, I don't think something jabbed. I don't know if he didn't want to be there or if he's asking. I, I don't recall him asking for too much money, so I can't put my thumb on it. I'd have to have somebody jar my memory. And I'm sure there's, uh, who I believe are listeners of our podcast that were in there, uh, backstage at the TNA time. Maybe they can refresh my memory. I don't remember any one reason why he wasn't on board with us more. Adam Arpin wants to know, what were your thoughts when you were approached with the idea that they were going to try the NWO one more time with the silver and black lineup? <sighs> Another day at the office. You know, because there had been so much we've, we've, we, and we're, we will continue on different stories, but man, it was such a, um, look, then W.O. goes without saying, but I'd also been a part of version nine of the four horsemen. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so I had, you know, been down this road and NWO 2000 and, and, you know, Nash being an original member, that was pretty cool. So, uh, and hall. And who, who was it? Me, Kevin, Scott, Brett. There you go. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big group. It's a badass group, but it's a uh, day late and a dollar short. Yeah. But, and, you know, and, and look at the time, I'm sure I wasn't saying, no, don't do this. I'm not saying that I yeah. was all in, but you knew, man, we already did this. We need a new yeah, idea. No, it's already been done. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, here's one, uh, Chris wants to know, can Jeff explain the differences between working in a WWE ring and a WCW ring, which did he prefer and why? Oh man. The early, the early 90, um, or even through the mid nineties, WWF rings were 20 by twenties. Um, 
uh, and I say this, I'll call it real ropes. And WCW had cables, uh, which were uh, covered by um, flexible plastic. Yeah. Uh, and they were 18 by 18 rings. Um, they just had a different feel. And when I say bounce, people go, oh, it wasn't bouncy. Or, yeah, it's a lot bouncier. There, there was, even if it's an eighth of an inch, or, or I'm not good on, I'm not a damn carpenter, but, you know, a little give can go a long way. Yeah. And I'm saying just a barely little give. The WWF rings were, they were like bricks. I mean, they were, you know, and it's, I've, I've had different doctors and chiropractors, you know, when you talk about taking, you know, when you fall on concrete versus fall on a little pad, you're just, there's your body can absorb shock. And not that it was concrete, but when there's zero give, it, it was the WWF rings of the early nineties were much, much harder on the body, much, much. And they were built because I've asked this question. They were built for, you know, I'll say the Legion of Doom, Hulk Hogan, Earthquake, Typhoon, um, j- just all the big bodies of the eighties, Andre, Big John Studd. Uh, you know, you're going to have a 30 ring battle roll with, those guys of the eighties, you better have a sturdy ring. And that's how it was built. Matt wants to change the ring style when the size and the height and the weight of wrestlers evolved. Uh, Matt says, uh, I know it's never say never, but do you think we will ever see Jeff in a ring again, even on a part-time basis? The definition of part-time is <laughs> look, I, 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 I mean, it's so silly for and look, I better stay on my side of the street here, but I have not put the wrestling boots on for the last time by any stretch of the imagination. When you hear people say, Oh, I've retired, especially when I hear like guys in their thirties. Oh, I'm retired. Well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what it just somehow, some way, uh, things guys often get sucked back in. Um, so do do I have plans to put on the boots, uh, today, tomorrow, the next day? No, but I can't, I, 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 I can safely say you have not seen my last match. Now, do I have plans where it's going to be? No. Petty wants to know what's your favorite televised match in WWE, WCW and TNA. Jeff, we just laid out in your house too, with Sean for WWE, but what about WCW and TNA? What do you think your two favorite matches in those promotions were? Wow. I had some really fun matches, good matches, hard hit matches with AJ styles. Um, maybe the one coming up, we're going to be talking about and my matches with Kurt. I can't, I don't know if the match in Charlotte or the bound for glory match with Mick Foley's special referee. Um, that was, you know, I was a baby face in the Chicago match with Kurt with Mick being the special enforcer. Um, Oh man. Let me ask, you know, a Kurt question in hindsight. Do you regret that you guys did that angle? Oh no, not at all. Not at all. We were all three adults that went into it and without question, um, each individual had the opportunity to say, no, I don't want to do it. And, and, and I can tell you the respect going into it. All of us would have said, okay. We won't do it. Let's go in a different direction. Um, so, so the Kurt matches, the AJ matches, um, WCW, there was sort of a run of matches. Me and DDP had some, had some fun matches. 
Um, that Nitro match with Goldberg was fun. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a list. Hell, the Nature Boy in his street clothes. <laughs> Wasn't a Mac classic, but it was fun. Ray LaDuke wants to know, I don't know if anyone has ever asked this, but who came up with with my baby tonight? Is that all just Jim Johnston? Jim Johnston, he wrote that uh, song uh, and he told it at StarCast 1. Uh, the story behind that, uh, the story behind the story of that song. He wrote it uh, for his wife and I think maybe girlfriend at the time, or, or there was something along those lines. And he just sort of filed it away. And when he got the call that there's this singing cowboy from Nashville that's going to need a song and there's going to be a lip syncing deal, he pulled that of, out of his uh, list of, of uh, record, uh, you know, list of songs and um, heard Brian's voice and said, this will work. Oh, hey, real quick. I wanted to tell you what Matthew in Pennsylvania wrote. I had a great experience at SaveWithConrad.com. I worked with Derek, and he quickly answered any questions I had. Being able to text him directly made things so much easier than having to wait on phone calls or schedule meetings at the bank. Being able to do everything from home was extremely convenient. I was in a tough spot with the pandemic going on, but it looks like everything is going to work out for me just in time. I would definitely recommend Conrad and his team to anyone looking for mortgage help. How can we help you? You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. But you do need 10 minutes at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. We're licensed in more than 40 states, and you even get to skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Christopher wants to know, Jeff, did you really believe you were as big as Steve Austin back in the day? It's not a knock. I'm a fan. I don't know where that came from, but I guess we'll ask it. (laughs) Bizarre. I mean... It's so preposterous. Uh, and I have, it goes without saying I have read that narrative, but you know, and I think my good old buddy, Jr. has either quoted that or whatever it may be. I mean, I think, look, I'm not the historian, but I think there is a, I know I'll say this when I came back right after, um, when I came back in, in my trail school job, but you know, that promo where, where Steve got highly offended on during that time, they had the promo laid out. Vince Russo had the l- promo laid out where it was. I think I talk about Steve first, Sean second, Brett third, because Brett was the champion. I, I may be whatever. I on purpose, not accidentally, on purpose moved Steve to the end of the promo because he was the most over. He was red hot, and I was a heel coming in that I wanted to get the best reaction at the very end of my promo. So for me, for anyone to think that I thought I was on, that's just ridiculous. He was the hottest box office attraction for that period of time that the business has ever seen. Longevity, no, but height, yes. So I I, no, I never thought I was on his level ever. Ted, the hillbilly heel wants to know what made you choose the figure four as one of your finishers. I have done a, a lot of media for my world and somebody brought that up and, and they had the date or the, they think the date when I first started using it, I don't know if an agent came up with that and said, we want you to start doing a submission. I don't know if it, um, you know, at the WWF, when I was doing that running DDT and they said, Oh, we want you to come up with a finish and maybe a finish and move. And flair was in the other company and he was using the figure four. I don't know how I landed specifically on that move. I, I, I 
I wish I had a better answer. I wish I had better recollection, but I don't know how I ended up using the figure four originally. Uh, what about Louisville gardens? Brian wants to know, do you have a favorite moment in the Louisville gardens? Hmm. Favorite moment in Louisville gardens. Gosh. Um, I used to go love going to that town on Tuesdays. I, I just did. It was a, uh, white meat, baby face, uh, crowd. They loved it. You, you didn't, you know, w- once you set the heat in, in those, uh, days, the, the people came right with it. You know, we had some matches against the moon dogs and that was hardcore before it was called hardcore, hardcore. And the people were, they would, they literally stood the entire 15, 20 minute match. Um, I had, uh, some matches with Lawler there that, uh, just really good storytelling. Obviously that's Jerry gets all the credit for that. Um, there, there is a, there is an awful lot of, uh, I used to love to go to Louisville gardens as a kid to watch it from the back. Mm. Uh, that might be one of my favorites because you could walk right out from the baby face curtain and sit up in these bleachers and, and you could see it, uh, you know, great, eye, great, eye, um, sight line to, to the, to the ring. Those were a lot of fun going up and, and just imagine, you know, thinking all these years later, Jim Cornette's in the back, taking photos as the, the, as the talent gets to the building and the rock and roll and the fabs and, Lawler and Kamala and I mean, just Dutch Mantel, Bill Dundee, just a whole group of talent, handsome, Jimmy Valiant, uh, man, when Valiant would walk out in Louisville. So, you know, maybe my favorite moment w- would be either the moon dog or going there as a fan. Great wrestling building. One last one. Then we'll get out of here. We'll wrap this one up. Michael guest wants to know, is your dad ever going to be on an episode of my world? I can tell you, oh, JW, Jerry W. Jarrett, that will not be up to me. That will be up to two men. One, my dad, and two, Conrad Thompson. Well, I'm in. <laughs> I'm totally in, and I think we should make it happen. And what we are going to make happen next week, New Blood Rising. It's the August 2000 pay-per-view, of course. When we say August and we say WCW pay-per-view, we assume Eric Bischoff's going to be there riding a Harley. And it's going to be outdoors, but this would replace road wild. And we're going all the way to Vancouver, British Columbia. There'll be over 6,000 fans there to see it. Uh, Vampiro who Jeff, uh, quoted today as being not a main event player, not a world champion caliber wrestler. Uh, however you want to report that in all the clickbait sites, we welcome those quotes. Uh, the main event of course is Booker T and Jeff Jarrett, the world titles on the line. They'll go nearly 15 minutes. We'll talk about the, the moving and shaking parts of WCW in this era. I think, uh, our old pal, Tony Schiavone has described WCW in this era as a coffin on roller skates. The announced team has Scott Hudson and Mark Madden joining Tony Schiavone. Three count would take on the Jung dragons. Ernest Miller would take on the great Muda. That feels like a fever dream. Buff Bagwell is going to wrestle Chris Canyon. We've also got a four corners match for the world tag team titles. And oddly enough. The filthy animals are special guest referees. So we've got chronic, the perfect event, uh, the misfits in action. And of course, O'Hare and Jindrak. Then we've got a strap match between Billy Kidman and Shane Douglas. Of course, Tori Wilson is hanging around. Then we'll have a mud rip off the clothes match. That's a real thing here in 2000 with major guns and Hancock miss Hancock. Rather, uh, there'll be a singles match between sting and the demon. 
That's a real sentence. Uh, Lance storm is going to take on uh, Mike awesome. The WCW United's heavyweight championship will be on the line, but it'll be a Canadian rules match. We've also got the dark carnival, which is Vampiro and the great Muda taking on chronic for the world tag straps. And then Kevin Nash is going to defeat Goldberg and Scott Steiner in a triple threat before we finally get to our main event. And man, when you look at that roster, golly, dude, there is so much talent there. It's hard to believe that this is not a booming promotion, but that's probably not the word to use to describe WCW in August of 2000. It's not, what makes a number one hit. Is it the song or the singer? Huh. <laughs> you got to think it's the, it's the song, not necessarily the, the singer. So yeah, we had some great singers, but didn't always have some great hits being played. Um, but I mean the platform and TNT and. TBS and thunder and nitro and everything that went with it. But boy, by this point, lots and lots and lots of water under that bridge. And it wasn't real. Uh, I wouldn't call it crystal Springs. We also want to mention too, uh, we do have some bonus episodes coming your way. All these episodes are early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. SummerSlam 98 is on deck two weeks from now Then SummerSlam 99 and hard justice 2006. And we do have a. A couple of tricks up our sleeve coming in more recent weeks. We're, uh, we're looking forward to this man. And by the way, can we just mention what a great time it is to be a wrestling fan? You know, it feels like just once fans came back, the volume got turned up on both channels in a hurry. Did it not? And that is uh, talking to some folks, uh, overseas that I've been having lots of communication with and you know, th- it, it always goes into the pandemic and those kind of discussions and wow. We didn't realize how much we missed the fans being there, but just watching Raw and SmackDown and 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 Dynamite, and you see just the the energy in the talent, it's irreplaceable. The fans, it, it just that it, it is, and and watching the YouTube clips, um, I mean, I, I watched a bit of uh, Impact uh, from Skyway Studios, and although it's uh, you know it, it's a small studio, but having the like Memphis wrestling back in the day, having 150 fans in there makes a difference. Um, but you know, lining up and, you know, Cena and, you know, the names it's, uh, it's, it's so much fun. And I think you alluded to this. I don't know if it was on our podcast or where you would say that when, when things just line up and the presentation is done on such a high level and the production values and the characters are so defined, it's what a rush. So lots of, uh, I'm excited about the fall. Yeah, we're, we're here. It's the, the dog days of summer and football practice going on out there. And a little guy, Cody is sweating his butt off, but, um, we're rolling along here, but I am, I am, I'm excited about, uh, the, the, the future of the industry in so many ways. Um, peek behind the curtain. How is, uh, Cody's wrist? I know football practice, one of his first days with pads, uh, he got dinged up. How's he doing today? Is the cast is still there where, uh, I hate it for him, he, but he's doing fine. He's out there. Uh, he's, he's still, you know, he's at practice every day and sweating and got his visor out over there. And, uh, you know, it's that you can see in the middle school kids, Conrad, you can go back to those times. It, it's, it's, um, they're in that, are they little boys or are they, uh, little men? And a lot of times when these hot 98 degree days are out there, there's a lot of the little boy traits come out of them, uh, but it's, he's good. He's good. I appreciate you asking. 
I can only imagine, especially during the summer. Cause I, uh, I broke an elbow during the summer mm. and man, you want to talk about ruining your summer as a little kid, you got to get around the pool like this and you got to get around the lake like this. And you know, he's got a pool in his backyard and a lake in his backyard and he's got to no be no more tubing. We'll go tubing before the year's up, but we were going, I don't say every day, but every other day I spoiled him on the tube on the jet ski. It's great for me to get out of the house. Just and we can do it in an hour. Uh, but those days are gone, but, um, that's another thing I thought you were going with that cast is going to stink so bad. Oh, it, he's sweating. I mean, how do you get around? I told Karen, I'm like, Hey, it is what it is. <laughs> he's going to be stinking. <laughs> she's uh, she's going to be for breezing his arm all the time. I can just see it in my mind. <laughs> you see that. Yep. I feel like we need some Febreze for next week's show. We haven't even recorded it yet. WCW in 2000 P U not good stuff. Hey, you're the one in charge of, um, uh, 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 of these topics, but, uh, what's the name of the pay-per-view new blood rising, new blood rising, August, 2000. I've got some photos. I went salmon fishing on this trip. Um, Did you really? I, I, I literally, we, I think I want to, I think I got in Thursday night for the Sunday show. And I think I, we got a, a salmon trip uh, on Friday. Um, it was, it was, it was a blast, but those, when that, you just think about is like, here we go. Um, is this going to be what, what's going to really change? Cause obviously coming off the bash at the beach and all the hoopla, but I'm going to have to drill down and man, yeah. when you were going over that card and filthy animals and Ray and that card, how many matches were on that 10? I mean, this episode will be fun to dissect. Um, but uh, again, you, you look at Booker's career. Uh, this is his first title defense on pay-per-view and, yeah. um, man, there, there's a lot that goes, wow. It's, it's fun to, uh, re- take a stroll down memory lane and, uh, we'll get into some stories behind the stories. For sure. Big moment in his career, big moment in your career. I mean, you're on the heels of the Hulk Hogan, you know, quote unquote world title match the month before we know it didn't go according to planned, but he and Bischoff are out of there. It's a company very much in transition, trying to, you know, get your feet underneath you, as we like to say here in the South and, you know, golly, man, what seven, eight months from now, after this, the whole business looks totally different. Yes. And And I was ready to move on. Yep. Go ahead. Anyway, I'm just, I'm fascinated by talking about WCW in 2000. It was the best of times for some. It was the worst of times for a lot. And we'll be talking about it next week. Go watch the show ahead of time. So, uh, you have some context to what we're going to be talking about. It won't be a watch along. We're just going to talk about all the behind the scenes maneuvering of WCW in 2000. Jeff and I will watch it before we click record separately, not a watch along. Uh, and then we'll get going talking about SummerSlam 98 and 99. That's a very much a different time in your career. The hair match. Yeah. Kicked it off. Yeah. It, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's crazy, man. What a roller coaster ride. How'd that do on my first ask Jeff anything? I like You're, it. I mean, I'd like to do another one next week. I mean, we can't, you know, we got to stick with our schedule, but this is fun. You know, it gives us a little bit of everything. We get a little Memphis, get a little WCW, get a little TNA, get a little WWE. I like it. We got a little rinky King, got a little India. You did. Yeah. We did touch on quite a few, uh, moon dogs. Gosh, we did touch on a little bit. Of everything. We'll knock out one of these as a, a bonus episode for ad free shows again, before you know it until next week, he is at real Jeff Jarrett. I think that's right. Is that your handle? I just did it from the top of my head at real Jeff Jarrett, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the website is real Jeff And of course I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. You can find us at, uh, 
well, you know where the my world podcast every Tuesday right here on cumulus, you know, this show really grows through word of mouth. Uh, we don't do any real advertising for our podcast. People just talk about it and then ta-da, people start to subscribe. Word of mouth is the way to go. And we want to thank James up in Hendersonville, Tennessee for suggesting and referring and spreading the word of mouth of savewithconrad.com. We hooked him up. He left us a five-star review and he had this to say, this process was as easy as it could have been. Jimmy and the team were on top of things from the very beginning. The communication was great and I'll be recommending you all to anyone who asks great job. Thank you, James. We take pride in helping people save money and making it fast and easy. I get it. You're listening to a wrestling podcast and you want to hear wrestling stories. You don't really want to hear mortgage talk, but I feel strongly that saving money is important. You know, if it's not something we worry about now, boy, we are really going to worry about it later. And I want to help you get out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. I'm talking to you. If you're in a 30 year loan, now is the time to take years off of your loan. We're routinely helping our listeners cut five, 10, even 15 years off their loan. And you can do this without perfect credit with no money out of pocket. You've just got to start at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Seriously, if you're in a 30 year loan, please let me run the numbers. You'll be glad you did. Let's save with Conrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.